Welcome to that 80s show and I know I'm going to tell you something a very angsty Dory was head swaying eyes closed all getting up in her feelings of goth new age romanticism music Dory am I right you know me so well Paolo (laughs) (laughs) wait my eyeliner's gonna get smudged oh no my eyeliner what will I do what will I do they'll see I have eyes and feelings other than angst (laughs) it's okay my very long fringe is covering my eyes so it's okay thank god for that as I cry into my Robin Smith (laughs) t-shirt Robert Smith, (laughs) correct myself. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to that 80s show. Uh, If you're listening on the podcast, yes, we opened up with the psychedelic first, Love My Way, Love That Song. Dari, what a great, great recommendation for the playlist this week. Yes, but there's there's method in my madness. There's a reason I I wanted to start the show with that song, which will be revealed shortly i know because you said it because it may be linked to your movie recommendation i was like if you said i'm not sure if i've done my movie i'm like you've definitely done pretty in pink uh but i I can't find the link (laughs) i can't find the link so um i'm that wasn't in in pretty in pink no but they They sang sang pretty in pink that's what i'm saying yes they sang pretty in pink. you see this is this is how meta i am right so it's like because i go well is it a red herring so it's psychedelic furs that did pretty in pink pretty in pink so i'm trying to work you out but oh you thought that i was like leading you down a path mm, mm. no 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 path this week very okay. direct okay okay so i'm not macaulay culkin at neverland um i am path <laughs> <laughs> i'm path free <laughs> i do want to mention though i do want to mention though that i just found out last week that the Psychedelic Furs released an album last year, which I was not aware of. Oh. And, and it is fantastic. Really? It is They're great, excellent. though. They're it is so good. No, but he, his voice has improved with age, which really? is rare. And, oh, you know, I you know every year I do my songs of the year yes. type thing, and I always have album of the year. Well, spoiler alert, that is my runner-up album of the year because – there's almost not a bad song on it. There's one song I'm like, oh, I, really? don't, I don't like that one. But yeah, I know it's really great. And I highly recommend people check it out. It is called, it's got a very gothy name, Made of Rain. Oh, my God. That is, oh. Yeah, and, the, and, the, uh, and the cover is like gloomy black with purple people reaching their arms up in, in angst, as you do. God, like every... Yeah. Bedroom in 1986. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is made in goth heaven. Yeah. Uh, listen, so, yeah. I mean, old 80s artists, don't call them old, 80s artists still releasing new music. We we are big. Yeah. And recent converts to the, the heritage chart.co.uk. And uh, we often find mm. people on there. But I didn't see the psychedelic furs. Maybe they're too, because the heritage chart is quite like chart and listener radio friendly. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think know. psychedelic. But it did come out last year, so maybe it was on the chart last year and we missed it. We oh. have only recently discovered the heritage. We have. Chart. It is fantastic. We yeah. sometimes cover it on that eighty show, but go look for it yourself and discover some of your favorites. People that you go, oh, I don't know, they're still doing music, and some of them are doing great mm. music, and some of them are opus. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> Do you- now, what happens when we get an interview with Opus next year? And then come now on. that you've said that about them. No, 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 no. Come on. Opus are, <laughs> they are sing-along guys, right? They understand live is life. People are just getting drunk and singing live is life. And their new song, We Finally Made It, Yeah, 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 is all about lockdown <laughs> and eating chips. And they know what they've done, right? They're in on the joke. <laughs> they know what they've done. <laughs> Great that they're still okay, going. Okay, okay. Listen, I was going to leave this for the end of the show, but my God, what fantastic interviews we've been doing. We're going to play you a little bit of Barrett's chat mm. with Graham Clark from Wet, Wet, Wet. Outstanding. We're going to play a little bit. It is live right now. If you go on to cliffcentral.com or you just search That 80 Show Essay wherever you get your podcasts, even just going to Google That 80 Show Essay and you'll find the full interview with Graham Clark. We've got Evoid coming up. And yesterday, mm. Katrina from Katrina and the Waves. What a lovely that lady. was 
so much fun. Oh, what a lovely lady. We're going to pop it up within the next couple of days um, onto our podcast and then we'll play it out maybe in the new year as part of the show. But what a lovely, lovely lady. What a great time we had with her. Such a pity. You and Barrett, there were technical issues. You couldn't hear each other. So it was just me, unfortunately. Yeah, we, we, were, listen- we, were, we were like the flies on the wall listening to you have this amazing conversation with Katrina. I had such FOMO I and retro FOMO. I know. FOMO that I couldn't talk to her yesterday. And then retro FOMO from all the stories she was telling. I was like, oh my God, I, just, I wish I'd been there. My moment was made probably about 10 minutes in. And she talks about Kim Wilde, Tony Hadley, herself, and some others unnamed, pushing each other into the pool where they were staying. She never intimated where the alcohol was involved. I imagine it was. What a hilarious mm-hmm. story. What a moment to imagine. <laughs> yeah. And this is recently, not even in the 80s, when they were here for the Rewind Tour. This is the story she is telling. So we'll pop that up. Maybe even by the time you hear the show, it's there as well for you to listen. Um, but just keep that 80 show essay. We got that, like I say, Evoid coming up. And then the full interview of Graham Clark will play you a little bit later in the show. Uh, there is a game that Dory and I discovered a few years ago that we hate. Hate it. Yeah. If you play this game, if you play this game, you're probably not listening to the show. But if you play this game, we hate you. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. And we're we're very loving people. Oh. We don't hate many people. No, we love everybody. We love everybody except people who play a game called Whamageddon. Mm. Now, it popped up a few years ago and basically goes like this. Whamageddon is a game where you try to get as far as you can into December without hearing last Christmas. Okay. So you got to avoid last Christmas for as long in December as you can. Why, Dari? Why do you think a human being would do that? Um, masochism? Mm. With mm. how developed our brains are. For I mean, we've been through centuries, centuries. There is no art form that we have not seen. We've seen it all, Right. And we want to deprive ourselves of the most perfect song, not just Christmas song, the most perfect song ever, Last Christmas by Wham. Uh, I don't know if I want to live in a world with Wham Again. So if you are playing Wham Again, I actually wish I had it lined up here and I'd just play it and then you could be out of the game. But I doubt anybody who listens to the show hates Last Christmas. So I just felt it's important to say, if you know a yeah. friend, and they shouldn't be a friend who's avoiding last Christmas because they're playing Whamageddon, tell them there are terrible things. There are variants out there. We're being, South Africa is being locked out of other countries. There are bigger things to worry about. Listen to last Christmas, preferably the pudding mix because you get a lovely little George Michael in the end. Oh, singing la 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 lullaby in the end. Oh, amazing. Be a friend, help a friend. Dory, Weird Al, you've spoken about him before. He was huge in the 80s kind of pops up every now and again. If Weird Al did a parody, I was there all day for it. You must know eight, nine, ten year old me loved Weird Al. Yeah, I know. Oh, That's God, why I when know. I saw this, I thought of you. And I thought, this is actually, there's some interesting stuff in this article. So that's why I wanted to chat about it. But I did think of you. I know you're a big Weird Al fan. Loved him. He did a, a, a parody of Michael Jackson's bad called Fat. He did Like mm-hmm. a Virgin, but Like a Surgeon. He was hilarious. <laughs> Four eight nineteen year olds in the eighties. Okay. No, I mean I used to love him as well. Really very, funny. Very funny. Really funny. But there are some artists who refuse to let him parody their songs. And you're gonna tell me about some of them, don't you? And Dory. there was some yeah, and there were some miscommunications with some artists oh. about parodies of the songs. Oh yes, mm. oh yes. But let's start with Michael Jackson, because he did bad and beat it as right. fat and eat it. Right. Okay. And Michael Jackson was more than happy to let him do it. He, he actually was very happy with it, loved it, thought it was great. Then Weird Al wanted to parody Black or White. And Michael was like, sorry, this is where I draw the line. Because that is a message song. And uh, it shouldn't be parodied. And fair because enough. he had been so giving in the past, Weird Al went, okay, that's fine. That's fair enough. And he didn't do it. Yes. Fair enough. And then moving outside of the 80s, but definitely worth mentioning, because I found this very funny. Weddell wanted to parody the Paul McCartney and Wings song, Live and Let Die. 
which actually is from the 1970s. And Paul McCartney just, he said no. But the reason he said no is because Wedel Yankovic wanted to call it chicken pot pie. And Paul McCartney said, (laughs) listen, Paul McCartney went, listen, I would love for you to do this, but I'm a vegetarian and I just, I I can't, you can't, you can't sing about chicken. And then Um, Wedel went, well, I'm not going to do it then because it won't work with tofu pot pie. Right. Okay. That's a very weird Al Yankovic answer. (laughs) (laughs) And so I love that story. Um, There's a few others. Yeah. I mean, like the, actually when he did um, Gangster's Paradise, he thought he had permission to do it, to make Amish Paradise. But Mm. it turned out that Coolio had actually said, I wasn't keen on, on it. Coolio had said no, but someone related to Coolio had said yes. And there was some sort of miscommunication. But by then it was too late because it was already done. And then Coolio kind of just had to live with it. Oh, it's weird that Coolio would have like the rights to nix that rather than his uh, record label. Sorry, I have it the wrong way around. I do have it the wrong way around. Coolio was cool with it. His management had a problem with it. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Because Coolio would be like, hey, of course I'm cool with it. It's in my name, right? Yes, I'm Coolio, (laughs) exactly. That makes more sense. (laughs) Yes, yes. The management weren't happy, but uh, it was too late. It was done. And then one other one that never happened was he wanted to – he wanted to parody James Blunt, You're Beautiful, and call it You're Pitiful. <laughs> now, right. I, I mean, do you know James Blunt on Do you know James Blunt on Twitter? He's because so James funny, Blunt though. James Blunt on Twitter is one of the most glorious things in the world. Yeah. He is hilarious. Yeah. Absolutely hilarious. So I'm surprised that James Blunt said no, but uh, probably his label, actually. Uh, listen, you can never take fat away from me. Movie time. Yeah. Dory's movie time. Now she gave us a little teasy... Hint up front, psychedelic furs, love my way, somehow linked to her movie, It's Not Pretty in Pink, all is revealed. So, you know, in the past we've spoken about how certain movies own certain songs. Right. Like, you will always associate that song with that movie, etc., etc. Now, that song, it was on the Wedding Singer soundtrack. Yes. But... I mean, it's not it's not like the song you associate with the wedding singer, right? I mean, the one you associate with the wedding singer is probably the one that Adam Sandler actually sings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's all yes. morose at it the wedding. It was bullshit. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, no. If you're going to talk about it, is that there was in his band there was the the boy George ripoff guy. Yes. And when he sings exactly. "Holiday." That that is my favorite. When he sings, um, "Are you really gonna hurt? Are you really me, gonna hurt it? me?" And yeah. then when yeah. Adam Sandler's singing "Holiday," and then he does the little like "Holiday," that's hilarious. That's mm. that's that's for me. Hmm, I wonder where Dory's going with this. "Love My Way" by the Psychedelic Furs is now owned by a movie. There is a movie that is intrinsically linked to it, and that is the movie I want to talk about today. Like the Wedding Singer. It was not made in the 80s, but it is set in the 80s. It was made, in fact, only a few years ago, 2017. Mm. But it is set in 1983. And what's interesting about it is, okay, it's quite an arty film. And you may or may not have seen it. It is currently on Netflix if you do want to watch it. It's quite an arty film. It's set in Italy. So it's a different kind of experience of the 80s than what we are used to. It's not your working girl kind of set. Right. It's kind of almost classy because it's set in rural Italy. Like, you know, imagine like the, the, the lots, the, the, the rolling fields of vineyards and that kind of thing, villas and, you know, rich people. Let's just say it, rich people. I'm sold. Okay. Either rich or people <laughs> who are rich in life. Because if you're living in that part of Italy, you're, you're living till 100. We all saw the Zac yeah. Efron series. You're living till 100, you're eating well, there's no stress. So you're either very rich to have moved there later or you're born there and you're living till 100. And compound interest, oh, yeah. do me a favor. So in this film, I'm going to just tell you, it's, it's called Call Me By Your Name. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, no. It stars Timothy Chalamet. Chame- Chame- that, that guy, that guy, <laughs> that guy. 
He's actually great. I really like him. He's done some really amazing films. He's the Dune guy. Is he? I, I think he's, I haven't been paying I think he's the new Dune. Dune guy, yeah. So the cool thing about this, so what happened was the soundtrack, it's not a lot of 80 songs. It's like mostly classical, you know, soundtracky kind of stuff. But there's a scene in the film where they go to, like, they go to the nearest town and they go to, in inverted commas, a nightclub. Because I'm saying in inverted commas, a nightclub, because it's outside <laughs> in the cobbled streets. <laughs> but, you know, Europeans, they hey, do things differently. Well, hey, hey, listen, don't knock it because, I mean, I've also been no. overseas as a kid. Nightclubs are different there. When you're out in the rural yeah. parts of, like, a Mediterranean country, that, it's nighttime mm. and there's club music. Nightclub. Oh, don't get me wrong. It looks amazing. They really do get the fashion and all of it right. And there's a scene where they're kind of there dancing to the dancing at the club, but it's like it's very low key. And then that song comes on, and everyone goes insane, and everyone rushes to the dance floor in inverted commas because, like I say, it's outdoors, and starts dancing like crazy to "Love My Way," and therefore this movie owns the song because the, this movie introduced Love My Way to a whole new audience. Remember, this film came out in 2017 and young people who had never heard the song or never heard of the psychedelic first suddenly discovered it and it actually created this huge resurgence for, this, for the band on streaming platforms. I mean, all of a sudden that song shot up the charts, a song from, you know, the 1980s, which happens now. That's how it goes. So, so, the, so the, a lot of people That often happens, right? So, so yeah, yeah, it often happens because either an 80s song will become a hit on TikTok, and then suddenly that artist, like a Fleetwood Mac last year, I mean, they were all over the place. It only happens yeah. to an artist when they're on TikTok, song ends up in a movie, or they die. And you, I think, as an artist, you want the first <laughs> <Terrible>. two, <laughs> yet <Yeah>, true. <laughs> So let me tell you a little bit about the movie. Look, go watch it. It's it's a in inverted commas gay coming of age film, and I say in inverted commas because the the guy who wrote the screenplay doesn't want it to be called that. But you know what? Sorry, dude, that just is what it is. I, I read yeah that yeah. there is. I don't know if you get. Are you going to talk about the volleyball match? Oh, I'm not. Oh, but because we can right? Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at it on Wikipedia, and under plot, it talks about the two of them brushing against each other during a volleyball match. And I go, hey, mm. Top Gun, guys. We've seen this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, there's lots of um, underlying sexual tension in that scene. It's actually great. In, in to top, so gu top Gun or this movie? Uh, well, I don't remember the Top Gun one very clearly. I, I, this one, however, I have watched re recently. So You yes, don't I'm remember the volleyball scene in Top Gun? No. <laughs> Dory, you I, don't remember. Sure it'll come back to me. <laughs> Okay, listen, I got, I'm just saying it was, th they wouldn't look out of place if you swapped the movies around. Okay, I will make an effort to actually try and watch that scene. Val Kilmer, <laughs> Tom Cruise, sweaty, playing volleyball. The difference is in Top Gun, they don't end up together. Whereas in this Ooh, movie, we don't know. We don't know. Places. We don't know what happened, we don't in, know the, what happened. in the cockpit. We don't know what happened between scenes. No, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. Sorry, I'm a child. Sorry, I'm a child, Dory. I'm sorry. Yeah. I have an undeveloped front cortex. I don't know. I'm a child. So one more thing I want to say about my movie is it was written by James Ivory, who the name oh. should be very familiar yep. to you. He his, he used to work with Ishmael Merchant. They did movies like A Room with a View, Maurice, Howard's End, Remains of the Day, those kind of, you know, set in the yeah. in the olden days kind yeah. of Look, dramas. Merchant Ivory movies I'm not watching. I appreciate that they're good, yeah. not for me. Yeah. <laughs> this might not be for you then, but you know, it is it is a great film. And he's James Ivory is now ninety-three. He's still with wow. us and he is ninety-three years old. He won a bunch of awards for this film when it came out. It did win a bunch of awards. And he was like one of the, the oldest winner in all the categories because he had written it, think about it, in his late eighties. So that is Doris Call Me by your name, coming of age movie set in the eighties, Timothy mm -hmm. Chamolet, Sh Timothy Chamolet, a ding dong. He's the guy, <laughs> he's the Dune guy. Put a rope in his nose, the Dune guy. I'm so glad, listen, I, th that's great. I love it, I love it when songs we love are get rediscovered and come back into consciousness. And I'm so mm. glad that you did such a classy movie. 
<laughs> because yours is the opposite. Oh God. <laughs> it's kind of like, Dory, you're the smartest kid in the class and I'm the dumbest kid in the class. And the kid in the middle of the class gets graded by the two of us. So we set the average a few months or two ago. We went away to Clarence. Lovely, Clarence, beautiful, amazing, right? Stayed in a beautiful Airbnb. We're convinced they stole my wife's pajamas at that Airbnb. <laughs> That's strange. It's weird, did right? They, what, did they just disappear? They disappeared. They weren't left in the room. We definitely know. So they were stolen. Someone took them and we know the time frame where the, the, they were cleaners. Somebody took the pajamas, right? Not the point of my story. Lovely Airbnb. Anyway. But now, you know, when you stay at Airbnbs, they got the, some of them have the hotel package of DSTV, our local uh, satellite cable network, right? And it's limited. Yep. So you'll get like one sports channel, one or two movie channels, and all the free to air local channels, right? From the public broadcaster in South Africa called SABC. Now, <laughs> what? SABC doesn't have a lot of money, right? They can't afford the big movies. So they tend to show very, 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 very old movies. So when you're on holiday or away for the weekend, want to sit down, maybe watch a movie before you go to bed uh, and you pop on SABC, you can be guaranteed that they're showing you something nightmarish or amazing in this case. So that's where you go for old movies. It normally falls in the category of, I'm going to introduce now, I have to, why I'm catering this for an international audience is because we did our Spotify wraps last week. We have listeners in 17 countries. That 80 show, 17 countries, right? So if you're one of them, I mean, welcome. It, it's impressive, but oh, not enough. Not enough. We love you. <laughs> I suppose we have to diversify yes. in language. 17 countries. Now, we have a, a movie genre in South Africa called Skop, Skeet, and Donner. That means kick, shoot, and the only way I can describe Donner is by using the word bluxem. Like, there's no way. You <laughs> it's, it's, it's like beat up really roughly. Really bad. Donner literally means thunder, right? So to hit somebody yeah. like thunder, that's what it means. So you're kicking, shooting, and hitting someone like thunder. This is the genre of movies we have. Super popular in South Africa. People love them because it's just mindless, silly violence. Jean-Claude Van Damme, Steven Seagal, their movies are still so popular in South Africa because of this genre of kick, shoot, and punch like thunder. Okay, so I find a movie, 1989 movie. There is a mullet in this movie, Dory, that I'm disappointed that it doesn't have its own profile on IMDb. This, oh <laughs> okay. my God, this mullet needs its own currency, okay? I don't even want to tell you who the mullet's head sits on because this mullet is, it's sentient. It's like the coronavirus. It's become sentient. It understands feelings. This mullet, for the sake of explanation, sits atop the head of the brother of Julia Roberts, Eric Roberts, Okay. Ah, mm. Yes. Now, Dory, what kind of movies does Eric Roberts do? <laughs> B-grade horrors, B-grade oh. action, B-grade, B-grade movies. B-grade. And this one was yep. a B-grade action. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> You'll know why. Because it is set in the world, a martial arts film. And you have an American team of martial artists put together ragtag bunch. They're all the best, but they need to come together because they need to go compete in this tournament to be the name of my 1989 film, the best of the best. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Oh, it's, it's, it's so good. It's so good. Well, I definitely watched this movie back in the day. I definitely have not watched it since and probably won't, but I definitely watched it back in the day because uh, I, I watched all those movies. Everyone watched all those <laughs> movies, right? And here's me on a random Friday night in Clarence watching it on free-to-air TV. I was so happy. I was so enthralled. The cast, Eric Roberts, James Earl Jones, Chris Penn. I mean, if you know... You'll know Chris Penn when you see him. He's one of those guys in a lot of movies. You don't know he's Chris Penn, right? So it had a really good cast, but it was best of the best. <laughs> okay. So 
they get all these guys together. They're martial artists. The guys within the team don't get along. There's fights in between. Eric Roberts' character, the son gets hit by a car. He leaves the camp. They say, if you leave the camp, you're not coming back. They let him back in. But the reason he has a problem fighting because his brother, his motivation, his brother got killed by one of the main guys in the South Korean team, which is now going to be the end. They're going to face off against each other. Hmm. Dory, can Why I, is there always a revenge plot? Dory, can Why I tell, is it always revenge? Can I tell you the end? Can I tell you the end? Tell me. Oh my God, it's, me. it's amazing, right? So now all the different guys are fighting the South Korean sound counterparts and it comes down to the match between Eric Roberts' character and the guy who killed his brother. Of course. Of course. And no, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? The guy who killed his brother, oh, oh, in between, what I saw in Best of the Best for the first time and it reminded me when I saw it again, somebody's arm pops out. And they <gasps> pop it back Ow. in. It's the first time I saw it. When I saw somebody do it to someone in real life, I was like, oh my God, this guy's the best of the best. He could beat Jean-Claude Van Damme. He just <laughs> <laughs> had his shoulder popped back in. Okay. And now they're about to finish the fight because now Eric Roberts has beat the crap out of the South Korean guy because you killed my brother, I'm going to kill you. And just as he's about to finish him, I can't. I can't kill a man, even though he killed my brother. I would rather lose. I'm going to be. I'm going to be the, the better, better man. man. I'm going to be the better man. Mm. You won that match, because this, this is the, they come to him afterwards. He's inconsolable. I said, "You won that match. Don't you ever forget that." <laughs> Delivered by James Earl so Jones. Dramatic. And then afterwards, so afterwards at the medal ceremony, all the South Koreans turn to the Americans and give them their medals. Oh, oh. vomit! <laughs> Just vomit. I'm best. sorry. <laughs> No, it's the best. Oh, they made so many best of the bests, best of the best, one, two, three, four, best of the best of the mediocre, best of the best is the, the South African one. They did so many best of the bests, but best of the best one was the best of the best of the bests. That's my movie <laughs> recommendation. Is it a recommendation, really? Oh, no. no, you must watch it. Seriously, watch it. It is so good. It is. I'm if, assuming the whole thing's on YouTube. If you love, obviously, if you love action, <laughs> If you love action movies, it is so great. Eric Roberts Mullet, just stare at that for 90 minutes. Carlos Santana was on the soundtrack. There is a song, the theme song, Best of the Best. I mean, we're talking Kenny Loggins ripoff all day long. And who doesn't love that? <laughs> and uh, you see, now that convinces me. You gotta watch it. You got you gotta watch Best of the Best. Or just I don't even think this week am I gonna post up the trailer for best of the best i'm gonna put up the music video for best of the best the song and eric roberts cool. mullet god best of the mullets that could have a whole new series best of the mullets animated series behind the scenes the prequel where did the mullets come from the mullets came from space to fight <laughs> it's all happening or or you could watch dory's beautiful movie sounds beautiful sounds beautiful it is. It, it is, is beautiful. No, it sounds sound, sound so beautiful. And that's that's what you get on that 80s show, right? You go to heaven, you go to hell. <laughs> Normally. <laughs> uh, so we are going to play Wet, Wet, Wet. And when we come back, the chart savant is on the line. And he's just going to give us a little bit of an intro into the pieces we're playing from his interview with Graham Clark. Welcome back to that 80s show. And we have the chart savant in the little time traveling space pod with us. Welcome. Well, first, before we say welcome, it is actually the day after Barrett's birthday. Happy birthday for yesterday, Barrett. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Barrett, uh, a few weeks ago, got in touch with Graham Clark from Wet, Wet, Wet and spent some time chatting with him. We got the whole interview is on, if you just want to follow that 80 show is a on Facebook, you can get the details or cliffcentral.com. Just look for that 80 show and that 80 show essay, just put into Google. You will find that interview. Great Scottish accent uh, and lots of cool stories. I'm going to play you two little clips. Barrett, the two clips we're going to play is him talking about uh, how the band started and got their name. We always love that story. And then just a little bit of a conversation about the time they spent in South Africa. What was it like chatting to, I mean, a Hall of Famer, right? <laughs> yeah, so it was so cool speaking to um, Graham because, you know, 
generally, uh, I feel sometimes a little bit nervous going into these interviews because it's like, ah, oh, it's this person, it's that person, you know, people that we've listened to growing up and loved. And I mean, I had my list of questions in front of me. I didn't even, I think I didn't even get to 95% of them because we were just chatting and chilling and conversing and it was such fun. So uh, I do recommend that everyone listen to the full interview, um, the full podcast, but these clips are amazing as well. Yeah, it's He's, he's, he's now a friend. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know what? You definitely hear that come across is, is that you guys were just, it felt like we were just listening in on YouTube chatting. Um, so it is a really fun interview. Barrett, I know you're pressed for time. You've got to go, I don't know, cure world, save world hunger. I don't know, get Spotify <laughs> to pay artists what they're worth or something like that. So yeah. <laughs> thank you for popping in. I hope you had a great birthday. I hope you didn't spill cake on your Kylie shirt. Please, God, no. No, no, no. Okay, Kylie's good. there and it's clean. <laughs> okay, thank God. Uh, but thank you for taking the time to do this interview with, with Graham Clark. Uh, we told you earlier, that 80 show essay, anywhere you'll find this interview. Let's go back to the 80s with Graham Clark to hear about the beginnings of Wet, Wet, Wet. Okay, well, we started off, we, we left school round about the early 80s. And um, at that time, round the west of Scotland, there was kind of big sort of unemployment around so we we were able really to go and learn our craft and cut our teeth and sort of learn how to be a musician and try and learn how to write songs so we there was no jobs to be had then so it was it was a kind of you know, it was either do nothing it was either lockdown like we've just done do nothing or else it was you know do you want to kind of start a band and of course in those days things are a wee bit different now for kids growing up but in those days the band seemed it was just a really nice outlet and you know i've come to realize this now it was a kind of almost like therapy to yeah. play music and to sort of connect with other human beings it's that's what i think humans have to do so we spent like a, the latter part of our teenage years just kind of in the back of my mum's living room with a full drum kit a keyboard player a singer and a bass player and, and we just we did that every day for the best part of two years and from that the fruits the fruits of our labor was a bunch of songs that we'd written and of course we then went out and sort of played in a few pubs and you know some people came and were interested in what we were doing so we sort of you know we garnered a bit of interest pretty early on and that was crucial in our development in terms of you know, from that we understood that you know maybe we could get one of these record deals, you know, and one of these songs that we wrote was like Wishing I Was Lucky, which is kind of almost about, we don't have any jobs, man, but we, we we have a band here that wouldn't it be great, you know, if we were a wee bit lucky and we could kind of get out the other end. And, you know, we managed to realise the sort of ambitions that we held in terms of a record contract. In terms of making a record, I mean, nobody's as surprised as me that almost nearly 40 years on, I, I'm, I'm kind of regurgitating this and talking about it, I mean, and, and talking to people all over the world. So it was it's been a kind of an amazing journey, you know, lots of twists and turns and lots of uh, really nice things happening on the way. It's some bad things too, you know, I mean, we have to acknowledge it's not plain sailing every day of our life, you know, we, we, we have challenges and any human experience you know what I mean you, you, you're going to always have things that trip you up along the way so yeah I mean we started off and, and, and we, we made our album and it sort of went out there and I was like again we were lucky it grew arms and legs and sort of went out there and, and went oh through the world and it was amazing being at, like sort of in our early 20s and being able to travel through the world on our songs man it was just it was an incredible experience and you know we, we were sort of blessed and then you sort of get through that bit and you you change, you know, you change every day in your, in your life and, uh, you know, we, you suddenly become blasé, you know. Opening for Elton John in Madison Square Garden becomes, oh, right, okay, this is what we're doing now, you know. Yeah. And when I catch myself saying that, you know, suddenly I go, Graham, if you could hear yourself talking, man, you know what I mean, you would maybe appreciate what you're doing, you know. And I think in your early 20s, you maybe don't, kind of. Uh, you're not appreciative of, of what life throws at you. And so, I mean, luckily enough, I'm old enough now, and I think I'm just about intelligent enough to know <laughs> that I have no intelligence at all, man. You know what I mean? So I, I, I can I can look back and I can reminisce and I can appreciate what we did and sort of 
you know, running on all that youth and arrogance, you know, as a as a fantastic shield for life, man, you know, and, and we were four guys kind of thrust together. Yeah. And so I was us against the world and it was an amazing thing, you know. So I mean to cut to to cut a long story short, I mean we went out there and basically we released a first record and it and it sort of connected with a lot of people. So we were lucky enough to to then find an audience and this is only us looking back on it. And you know, it wasn't like this great grand plan of right now we need to find an audience. It was just like let's make some music and see what happens yeah. and you know, as I said, we were lucky enough that it went out and connected with a lot of people. So, you know, here we are talking about it and it's and it's amazing. Sometimes I feel it's better to have that organic collaboration and chemistry and creation compared to that forced feeling, oh, we have to create, we have to get this your stuff out there because of whatever reason so potentially that's maybe why it connected with so many people is because it was just natural and organic compared to that we have to get it out we have to get it out we have to get it out exactly and and that sort of kind of manufactured i mean you know the beauty about where we came from you know and not having a job we would have you know billy Connolly. i don't know if you're aware of billy yep. Connolly's being a scottish a Swedish comedian yep. and, and he used to say when he left school you know the school gates would open up and then the shipyards would open up we come from Clyde Bank which is on the banks of the Clyde so there were shipyards all around us we would have moved into those employment jobs you know and, and that would have been it it would have been a manufacturing life we would have had and I think music took us completely away from the manufacturing and even to the point of a lot of the music business as you say was a manufactured thing you know we weren't this manufactured we were people that grew up together and sort of we had a connection yeah you know and i think as you say you know that's what people tapped into when our music came out they they saw people if anything they've, they've got good instincts they can see through you know people are now aware Oh, this is a manufactured band. This is a band that's put together of people that are like, you know, go in and do auditions and it's kinda it's put together by a Svengali, you know. So I mean we we weren't like that, you know. So that kinda almost didn't set us apart because there was a lot of bands. I mean that that was, you know, a lot of bands that I liked, you know, a lot of bands that I grew up with. That's what they were like, you know, that it was only sort of during that period that we came through that, you know, and there's always been manufactured bands, but it seemed to be a, a really kind of one of these roads that, that the, the music business always returned to and always kind of tried to manufacture bands and you know I, I do think people they bands like that do have a kind of shelf life I mean that is a very not short term but it, it'll last a few years and it'll go out there and it'll do well probably but you know I think something like us when it's based in sort of some sort of kinship and some sort of friendship then it'll endure all the all the stuff that gets thrown at you when you're in because i mean th th there's a pressure there as well yeah. you can't deny that you, you then have success and then you need to me getting the success was was kind of easier than sustaining the success because then you've got over the, the course of 40 years think about it man you grow up you we have families you know when we were in the band in the 1920s age you know what i mean we had each other that yep. was it you know we were a gang that rang about and then suddenly you get into your 20s and your 30s suddenly life kicks in you know it's that john lennon quote you know life is what happens when you're making other plans and 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 really that's what happened to us you know we we grew up and almost in the public eye and we also we had to i we just had to absorb whatever was thrown at us and try and kind of get through it and i think that friendship that we had that we formed at the beginning stood us in good stead taking opening for alton john at madison square garden for granted <laughs> what a world and i loved him we'll just never understand we'll never understand and uh, I loved him using the word Svengali. I love yes. that word. Love word. <laughs> it's a very 80s word as well. Hey? Do you remember there was a movie called Svengali? I think it's from the 80s as well. Oh, very, Sven, very 80s. Right. Huge 80s word. Mm. The next little bit of this interview is they talk about their time coming to South Africa. I like this part. Really, really, really cool little bit. Well, I, I can remember we came and the, 
it must have been just before the mid 90s i think it was around about 94 95 and we came over to me it's always an absolute pleasure to come to a different cultural to come to a different country you do speak you know sometimes i'm saying this and people don't speak your language but there is this universal there is this kind of world language of music that that seems to cross borders where i know we make a point oh we scottish we're this we're that but we're not really we're, we're world people man you know what i mean we we take our influences from for all intents and purposes the music came over from america to us so i mean that really heavily influenced us so i like to think that we take a little bit of what where we come from but we also take a lot from places that we visit like south africa you know like your amazing country we were lucky we made a video there we we spent a little bit of time there we played some gigs i can remember we went on the plane and we were playing a cricket ground in Dublin, and it was like king's Lynn. we'd only sold 2000 tickets now in those days unbeknown to us lots of south africans didn't know that you were coming until you got off the plane and landed in the tarmac. So of course we went from selling 2,000 and we thought, I mean, we were kind of going, oh, 2,000's all right. We didn't really understand that it was this huge, massive cricket ground, you know? And then sort of we got off and they said, well, now that you're here, you're actually up to 15,000 tickets. And that was in the space of like the 10 hour flight, man. You know what I mean? So, you know, that to me just kind of showed, my goodness me, man, this is, you know, we've obviously tapped. Our music's obviously came into the psyche of the South Africans and you know, there's no better thing than, than going to other countries and being able to play your music and, and that sort of takes down all the barriers, that takes down any communication. You know, I was always one for saying it's great to do these interviews because it gets you to a lot of people in a short space of time but it will never convey what the music conveys, you know what I mean? The, the music just kind of goes out there and, and it really it goes to people's soul right to the core of them and and for me that's the that's the essence of music that's what it does it's powerful it crosses over languages it crosses over cultures it crosses over countries and borders you know and so for me yeah to come to your country was just an amazing experience and again you become blasé because you're like, oh, that was South Africa, great. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great when we get back there? Now that's 25, 26 years ago. We haven't been back since, you know, and you know, yes. I'm, I hope, I hope we're able to come back. It would be lovely to come down and, and play, play some music and get back in, reconnecting again. We'd, we'd love nothing more and, you know, nothing warms my heart when the office come to me and say, oh, you know, we've got, uh, got Barrett Erlstein who wants to talk to you, you know, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> that's me. Absolutely, South Africa, that's, that's another exotic place that, oh, he sounds a bit like you going, oh, Graham and where, where, it conjures up kind of images in your head. Then when you see somebody on the other side, you go, hey man, he's the same as me, he loves his music. We all go to the concert, we experience and we love and it's been part of our life and it'll be part of our life till we, till we shuffle off the mortal coil, as they say. So yeah, you know, I hope we can come back and I hope that we can, um, you know, come in and play some music and enjoy some, some South African hospitality we will welcome you with open arms and graham it's been a yeah. pleasure speaking to you today um we look we love the new music we look forward to seeing you again on tour and i really would like to appreciate say thank you for your time and um thank you so much it's been an honor chatting to you today Barrett, you're a gentleman and uh, I really thank you. It's been a pleasure for me to go back through the the history and talk to you and I also get it. That's how it works, isn't it? I tell you a little bit about me. You yeah. tell me a little bit about you. I could talk for <laughs> days, man, you know what I mean? So, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure and I've enjoyed it. So, hopefully, we get yes. to meet in the flesh and I can put a hand out and we can, we can be skinny skin, man, you know what I mean? We can talk to one another properly. Looking forward to it. Graham, thank you so much for your time. It's been an honor. And everyone from that 80s show and in South Africa, looking forward to seeing you again. Send my love over to everybody and uh, hopefully see you soon. All the best. Bye. Thanks, Mara. Bye. Speak to you later. So this has been that 80s show. Graham Clark from Wet Wet Wet. The full interview on that 80s show essay. Just go to the Facebook page, podcasts, Whatever, I feel I've said it too much. That 80 show essay, go look there, you'll find stuff. Katrina and the Waves, Evoid, everyone we've spoken to so far. Uh, Carol Decker from Tapao, Thomas Anders from Modern Talking, Gary Kemp, so many people, local artists, Wendy Old Oldfield. We've got a lot of friends, Dory, a lot of friends. <laughs> we do.
We do. And, and it's building all the time. Because now I think, I think Katrina's our friend too now. She's a very nice, lovely lady. One of our friends, mm. he was on the show very, very early on, Costa. Oh, Dory. Yes. Dory, love Costa. <laughs> love Costa. He's super into Italo disco, right? Kindred spirit, love each other, bald heads, both love Italian dis- Italo disco. Mm-hmm. He was telling me a few weeks ago about this. He shared it with, he told me about it, sent the WhatsApp to you, said, please get this to Paolo. Because there is this 80s revival festival concert that happens in Russia. I assume it hasn't happened in, in the past two years. It is called Discoteca 80s Eruption. <laughs> okay. But note, Discoteca spelled with a K. Oh, there's so, so much Russian. So so yes. so much Russian. Yes, the C. Oh, there's lots of K's. Lots of K's. No C's. Where you think there's a C, it's yes. a K. Just know that, right? Sorry, two K's. Yes, two K's. Two right, K's, indeed. They get. I'm going to read you all the artists that are in this. They get a whole bunch of '80s artists. It seems to be played out on TV, right? Costa tells me it is a massive thing. Massive streams online. He said this thing's huge. Take a listen <laughs> to this promo. I mean, it is. Equal parts Russian, equal parts eighties, equal parts orgasmic. This is this is just the sound. The sound. I love this stuff. I love production. I love audio production. This is as you're watching it. This is the beginning of each clip. Международный фестиваль авторадио. Hey, hey, <laughs> take a listen again. Международный фестиваль авторадио. God, that is so good. <laughs> okay, this is Amazing. what we're in for. Some of the artists at Discoteca, this is the one from 2018, I think. Ottawan, CC Catch, Leon Ross, Opus, Thomas Anders. What are you telling me, Dory? When are we going to Russia? Can we go? Oh, we can yeah. go there. We like I'd love to go. Russians love, love us, right? They'll let us in. You know who we would need to take with us to Russia is Joanna Stingray. Remember, I told you about her a few weeks ago. Yes, yes. We can grab Joanna Stingray because she knows Russia very well. She lived there. The Beverly Hills brat. The Beverly Hills brat will get her. Beverly Hills brat. We need to take Joanna Stingray with us. She can, like, you know, sort it all out. Yeah, that's no, the plan. Like, I think in today's show, we've spoken about, like, you know, psychedelic furs, wet, wet, wet. But when you're talking Ottawa and CC Catch, Opus, Thomas Anders, we are talking about a Euro disco pants explosion that I can't <laughs> wait for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely on my bucket list. I mean, I do want to go to a Rewind Festival anywhere in the world, but if I have one choice, it has to be Discoteca 80s eruption. Eruption. Mm. God, yes. I can't... I cannot wait till the day I'm there listening to this. Международный фестиваль авторадио. I'm there all day for it. We'd have to take Costa with two. Oh. I mean, how much fun. God, God, so many dance moves. So many dance moves he would show us. <laughs> this, has, this has been that 80s show. Uh, thank you for joining us. Dory, I'm going to ask you an admin question on air. Is this our last live show of the year? <laughs> we don't um, know. It doesn't have to be. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> we, we're not sure, but I, I do want to tease something. Ooh. For our next show where we have a movie review, I have discovered a TV series. Paolo, I have discovered a TV series that I did not know existed. Oh. It is. It is so amazing. Currently making my way through all the episodes on YouTube. I actually want to share it with you before so that you okay. can you can know it before. So it's gonna be it won't be a surprise review. I need you to actually watch it beforehand. And then maybe what we can do is discuss it even early next year. We can discuss it together. Okay. It is oh, beyond glorious. Okay. So whether it's next that's week, a tease. there's a tease, that's a tease, whether it's next week or next year, just keep a watch on that 80 show essay on Facebook or on the cliff central socials. If we're on, you'll see a post there from us. Uh, so we're not yes. sure, but if we don't have any new shows, thank you for joining us for the whole year. Um, we really hope 
you know, the chart savant Barrett has brought interviews with some great people into the mix. We started out like quite conservatively, but Barrett just blew it up to a whole new level. And we think it's given a whole new dimension. Thank you to anyone who's listened live uh, to the show. You get the little bonus music on a Friday. Um, and uh, anybody who listens to the podcast, there's people all over the world. Thank you very much. This may be pointless because we may be back next week. We just don't know. <laughs> We're so organized. You may, exactly, you may think this is a professional organization. Everybody else around us is. Dory and I just literally make things up as we go along. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But you seem to like it. People seem to like it. (laughs) Um, Lesson of the week, Dory. What did you learn from today's show? I learned that I'd forgotten about Eric Roberts' (sighs) mullet. God. But I will relearn that lesson very soon. I'm going to go searching for it. God, it'll find it'll find you, Dory. You don't search for its mullet. It, it finds you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining me, Dory. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>